Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means? It's Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Not in a frozen yogurt pavilion today. It's a little disappointing, I'll be totally honest with you. If I had my druthers, I would be at a place where I could just get up and make myself a Sunday. But I will settle for the Super Talk Studios here in Starkville, down there in Studio X in Jackson. That's where Rhino is, making sure that everything uh, works, you know, including me, uh, on this here show. We have a good show lined up for you. Our good friend John Talty from Bama 24-7 is going to drop by in just a bit, sort of give us a preview of Mississippi State and Alabama. And we've got plenty to talk about with it, with that game, but let's let's start. We'll look back at, at Saturday night in in, in uh, Columbia to get things going because isn't it a little weird? I, I brought this up on Sports Talk Mississippi about twenty minutes ago. Isn't it a little weird that Mississippi State was moving the ball all over the field and can't stop anybody, and Ole Miss was playing good defense but couldn't move the football? Did we change teams? Did we? What just happened? That's that's not how that's supposed to go. State's supposed to be the good defensive team. When I made my prediction about this team back in uh in you know April, May, June, July, you know, the the idea that this team was going to be poor defensively never really crossed my mind. I'll be honest with you. Um I thought with what they brought back from an experience standpoint and what they had done in the transfer portal, that they were going to be just they were going to be fine. And that that prediction was off. And, you know, and offensively, yeah, they they've had some struggles here. They look like they figured some things out Saturday night. But defensively is where this team is bad. And until that gets better, I don't know where this team is going to head. I don't know where they're going to go. Because now you're going to play an Alabama team that, quite honestly, isn't great offensively. They're not a fantastic offensive football team. They they have struggled. You know, They only put up 24 on Ole Miss last week. They had trouble running the football at times. Ole Miss was able to pressure Milrow. But this this state defense, I mean, two weekends in a row, the SEC Offensive Player of the Week has been the quarterback that played Mississippi State. And I'm kind of shocked it wasn't also the receiver that played Mississippi State like it was with the LSU game, because it sure could have been. Xavier Leggett could have easily been the SEC Offensive Player of the Week. But for State, you look at Jaden Daniels and Spencer Rattler and the numbers they've put up. Daniels 30 of 34, Rattler 18 of 20. Guys, you and I could go out in the parking lot right now and throw 34 passes, and I'm not sure we would complete 30 of them between, with nobody between us, just, just, just tossing the ball around. That was in a major college football game with guys on scholarship with NIL deals trying to stop them, and they were able to do that, put up those kind of numbers. So if you remember back during a baseball season, and I will, I will be totally cool if some of you don't want to remember baseball season. I get that. 
But I talked about how, from a pitching perspective, there was some sort of systemic failure, right? Because it wasn't just one guy that was bad. It was all the guys that were bad. You got kind of the same thing here. There's something systemic happening within the, 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 this defense. Because it's not just that one guy's not playing well. Nobody tends to, it seems to be playing well. I mean, Jet Johnson's racking up tackles because somebody has to. Buki Watson's doing the same, but you're not getting the, uh, the, the push from Jaden Crumity that I would expect. Now, Nathan Pickering had a nice game on Saturday, but the week before that against LSU, he was a non-factor. Um, the Cameron Richardson has not looked like the guy that we thought might be a, a second-day draft pick thus far. State safeties have just been bad, except for Sean Preston, and him missing the first half last week ended up being something I think that bit Mississippi State. I think had he played the whole game, it might have been, might have had a chance to make it a little different outcome. But it wasn't, and he didn't. So it is. It, 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 they lost. So I don't know, man. You know, I, if you had told me that State was going to go on the road to South Carolina and score 30 points, I would have said, oh, they won that game easily. Easily. I would have said that two weeks ago. I would have said it last week. I would have said it two months ago. 30 points, I would have said State walks out of there with a dub, no questions asked. And instead, you know, they didn't. And now you're going to play an Alabama team, like I said, that's still trying to figure out its way offensively. But what do we know about Alabama? What's the thing that we can we can just bank on is that they have talent, that they're too deep is four- and five-star basically all the way through, that the only three-star players on their roster are their kickers, their punter and their kicker. And maybe maybe they got a couple of uh, you know backup guys that are down the line a little bit that they just – they liked what they saw on film, so they took them. Mississippi State doesn't, you know, Mississippi State has as, as many four stars on the roster as it's ever had, but not at every position, and they're certainly not playing like it right now. So they, they've just got a ton of work to do on this defense. And Zach Arnett and Matt Brock, you know, I don't know if there's a disconnect there because the defense doesn't really look the same, and that's surprising, right? We all thought, okay, Brock's just going to sort of be there with Arnett, and everything will be. You know, it'll run like it did a season ago, and, it, and they're just—they're just not getting there on pressure. They—they uh, they don't, they don't seem to be calling blitzes at the right time. Uh, the coverages seem to be off. Everything's just a mess. It's a mess, and and, and that's really surprising to me. I, I thought for sure, if you had said this team's going to struggle, I would have said, okay, obviously, then uh, with Barbe, the offense just didn't click. And they—they—they—that's where the issue is. And you know, at points, times this season, I've been correct with that. But to watch the defense melt the way it has the last two weeks—I mean, LSU is a good football team. Don't get me wrong; Daniels and Neighbors are both NFL caliber players. Neighbors is probably a first rounder, to be honest with you. But they're not as good as Mississippi State made them look. They're not thirty of thirty-four. They're not thirteen catches for two hundred and thirty yards. Good. Same with South Carolina. Rattler is really good. Leggett's really good. But he's not 18 of 20 good. He's not 9 for 178, I think was the number. They're not that good. State is make, making teams look great. And I'll be honest with you right now, I, I fully expect Jalen Milrow and maybe Jermaine Burton to have a great opportunity to be the SEC Offensive Player of the Week this week because I just don't have any faith in State's defense and their ability to, to slow them down. And that's that's an odd place for Mississippi State to be. You, you think about the past few years, and one of the things I've said a lot was, you know, when, when Mike Leach was there, that 
there wasn't a game where I could point to and say, ah, the defense lost you this one. You know, State didn't lose a lot of 38-37 games, 46-45 games, right? They, they lost games because they couldn't score. And this year, they're losing games because they can't stop anybody. And that's not what I expected with Zach Arnett taking the head coaching job and passing the reins over to, uh, to, Matt, to Matt Brock. I thought that there would be a continuation of what we had seen the previous three years where that defense really held up its weight. And State would be three and one right now if they could have. Don't 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 think otherwise for one second. They would be three and one. They would have going to LSU was going to beat Mississippi State regardless. But being three and one and being two and two is there's a huge difference, especially when you're looking another loss right in the face come this Saturday. But at the same time, that's what I predicted. I said State would be two and three after five games, but they certainly haven't looked the way I thought they would. I thought they would be very competitive with LSU, might even have a chance to win. They got blown out. And then I thought they would lose to South Carolina, but the manner in which they did so, to be so passive and soft defensively, was just that was not what I was expecting to see from from a Zach Arnett coached uh, football team. So Jason says Forbes may have been ever even better than we thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he was the 16th pick in the draft. He took away a lot of your... Uh, your problems. That was one side of the field that they either they wouldn't throw to, or if they did, they picked it off. That's going to be the key for State this year, by the way, is turnovers. You already saw it in the Arizona game. The only reason they won the Arizona game is they got five turnovers. If they were plus one in turnovers in that game and not plus five, they lose that game easily. So when for State to be successful, if they can't stop people with tackles and, and scheme, you're going to have to get lucky with turnovers. And that's what turnovers are, guys. They're luck. Yeah, it's one thing when you have a guy like Forbes that you can count on to probably make some plays for you. State doesn't have a guy like that. So if they're getting turnovers, it's because other teams are making mistakes or you're just making somebody's making a great play that you're not expecting. I don't know if State can I don't know I don't know what they're going to do defensively. They have a ton of work to do. Fortunately, the schedule sets up in such a way that once you get through this week, you play Western Michigan next week. They're not a good non-conference team. Now, that's not to say the State can't lose that game because we all know we've seen stuff like that in the past. But State should be able to win that game, and then you go into the bye week, you can fix what ails you, and then you have two huge games with all, with Arkansas and Auburn on the road, and those will decide your season. And it's just that simple. Just surprised. Surprised at what this team looks like through four weeks. Not what I had in mind at all when I was putting preseason predictions together and things of that nature. All right, when we come back, John Talty from Bama 24-7 is going to join us here on the show. A lot to talk about. Give us an inside look at the Crimson Tide, some of their struggles this year, and what some of their successes last week against Ole Miss. We'll talk to my good friend John when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. (laughs) 
We're back here on Thunder and Lightning, and we're going to go right into it. This is my interview with John Talty from Bama 24-7. Very pleased to welcome to the show my buddy John Talty, running Bama 24-7, one of the top college football reporters in all of the country, in my opinion. Plus, just a, just a genuinely nice guy. This is the best introduction I've ever gotten. I have any I show have, I've ever done. I have crushed you for so many years. You know, I feel like at this point I owe it to you just to be nice for for a few minutes here. So you were kind of my hazing uh, when I moved to the south. <laughs> you and your cousin get giving it to me pretty good. You deserved every bit of that. Don't <laughs> act like that that you did not. So John Talty, AL doc, I'm sorry, not AL.com, twenty Bama twenty four seven and. As you see, if you can see it right there in the background, you wrote a book on Nick Saban, which if you have not read it, I, I give it my highest recommendation. I don't read a lot of books. I read that book. It was really good. I thought it was it was very interesting. This Alabama team is interesting. And when I look at Milrow and I look at Will Rogers, kind of like cut from the same cloth, but it's a different kind of cloth in that Milrow's this great runner and he's trying to figure things out in the passing game. And, and Rogers has been a great passer, but there's no running the football with Will Rogers. I thought last week State called plays to help Will Rogers. They, 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 they put the play calling in his wheelhouse. Can Alabama do that with Jalen Milrow? Does their offense suit him enough that they can just say, let's do what he does best? I don't think it's a perfect fit, but I think that you're going to see more and more of that have to happen. I think the fact that you know, last week, Nick Saban, you know, came up pretty strong that Jalen's our guy, I think was, you know, sending a message, not only externally, but I think internally of like, it's stop messing around. We got to figure out how to win with Jalen. This is the guy that gives us the best shot to win. This is the guy that we trust the most. So I think you saw some signs of it against Ole Miss. I think there's still a desire to see more of that um, moving forward. And so I think it's going to be one of the real question marks, I think, for what what's the ceiling of this Alabama team is can they do a better job of utilizing what Jalen does? Because he's just one of those guys, and maybe Will Rogers, you feel the same way, but he's one of those guys who in a, the same series can do something that you're like, wow, this guy is awesome. This is what he does. And then he'll do something else like, oh my gosh, this guy is so bad. Like, how could he do that? You know, Absolutely. and we saw that against yeah. Ole Miss a decent amount. Yeah. With, uh, with, with Milrow, I, was, I made the comment a couple of times on Saturday that if Dan Mullen was the offensive coordinator at Alabama, they would be unstoppable. I mean, that guy is the most Mullen quarterback I've ever seen. He he's like a a, a platinum plus version of of uh, of Chris Ralph. Yeah, he just can run the football, powerful, great runner, but got the big arm too. I I wish Alabama. Oh, I say I wish. I'm, I'm not this weekend, but I, I wish Alabama would would find a way to to just sort of funnel their offense a little bit more through what he's strong at. They would be a lot better, I think. Well, I can tell you something real, not to cut you off, but I can tell you after multiple games so far this year on the message board, people have been asking for Dan Mullen. So the Alabama fans who are probably not big Dan Mullen fans in general are like, we need this guy because he would be able to do it. Well, you know, if I can get in there and evaluate him, I'll I'll take a look. I'll take a look at the job. I'll take over for Nick when he leaves. Um, What's your best guess? Because I know Saban has never come out and said, why, why did he sit the South Florida game? It's a great question, you know, and I don't know if anyone will ever really tell the truth on it, to be honest with you. What what my read on it is a couple things. You know, his public answers don't make complete sense to me, to be perfectly honest, that essentially he just promised all of them that they would get a shot. Um, if you remember, 
in that book that you referenced earlier, uh, there was a whole chapter about how Saban does not like promise anything except opportunity. So and that's been his thing for his entire run was that he's never going to promise a starting job or any of those kind of things. So it was a bit peculiar to me to hear him say what he did. W- what I think happened just from talking to some different people is that obviously they did not love their options after the end of spring. Nobody really won the job. They bring in Tyler Buckner, who has all the connections to offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. And I think that from what I like what I've been told, like Tommy just loves Tyler Buckner, thought very highly of him. I think that there was some internal Saban like Jalen. I think Tommy Reese might have liked Tyler Buckner. And there was a little bit of like, okay, we'll play your guys and we'll see what happens. And then I think the way that it played out, it made it even easier for Saban to say Jalen's our guy. And Jalen had won the locker room. He was definitely the most popular of the three of in the locker room. And I think Saban does value those kind of things. Um, but it just, yeah, the spin afterwards does not make complete sense to me and just knowing how he does things a little bit. So the offensive line for Alabama, I mean, I know these are four-star, four-star five-star recruits. Right? I know the talent is there, but they're, they're just not clicking for whatever reason. They're giving up a lot of pressure. Uh, they haven't. They ran the ball pretty well against Ole Miss, but they're not the, the old Alabama just move you off the ball offensive line. Why isn't this unit as good as its recruiting profile, I guess, says it should be? I don't know. I mean, I really don't. I mean, it doesn't. It, it's not salty, everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the answer that you want. Expert opinion, don't know. But I mean, just think about there are people and you know who I value and like, like Cole Kubelik, who I feel like we're very high on this offensive line coming into the season. I mean, there was a lot of positive buzz about what they were going to be able to do this year, and we just haven't seen it. And I think that there's still potential there. I think there's individual guys who will probably be drafted very highly the NFL draft down the line, but. As a unit, they have not played very well. And what I come back to, and this is probably just a simplistic, dumb football guy take here, but I feel like so much was made about how big they were and how big they got and how much they weighed, how they're going to push people off. And I keep coming back to the Jurassic Park situation that like they were so interested about whether they could, not whether they should get that big. And that's that's how I just feel like they're just they're kind of big and slow. Like it feels like they don't have the power that should come with being that big. And then they don't have the agility to deal with some of the this, this speedy pass rushing that they're facing. So it just feels like a, just a weird unit so far. I got a Star Wars reference out of Ben Portnoy last week, and now I got a <laughs> Jurassic Park reference out of you. These interviews are killing. I mean, I'm really enjoying myself. Um, Alabama defensively, they're really good. I don't know that we'll ever see the old, like, 09, 10, 11 defenses that they had, but, but they are really good defensively. They slowed Ole Miss down to a point where we haven't really seen the Rebels like that in the past few years. Can Mississippi State be successful against this Alabama defense? Well, it seems like there was people were encouraged by how they played against South Carolina, yeah. right? So I think that that gives you a little bit of hope, maybe. I don't know. Would you say that you have hope right now, Brian? Hope is a dangerous thing, uh, John. Well, as a New York Jets fan, I would say hope is the most dangerous thing. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I do I think felt so this, bad texting you that night. I do think that this defense is really, really good. And I think that they are strong. Now, they're, they're dealing with some guys who are banged up, which I do think can have an impact. But I think their secondary is very strong. I think that you're seeing less bust the way that we did, I think, under Pete Golding. And I think that, it, I don't know if they've just simplified things, but like outside of a couple of times where calls seem to come in late, it just feels like they're just, they're not having those terrible moments that we saw happen a few times last year, especially. So I think that from top to bottom, they're very strong. Like you said, the days of 2009, I think, are over. Uh, they just played differently back then. But I think this defense can keep them in any single game. It's going to be very hard to score against. 
Um, and I, I think that the, the weakness is probably up front a little bit. They don't do that. You know, they don't have those dominant defensive linemen that can kind of create havoc on their own. That They're having to get a little more creative and using Dallas Turner and some other guys to try to create pressure. That's the, probably the one weakness of that defense. But as a whole, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Will Rogers throw a bad pick or two in this game. I wouldn't either. I mean, think the last time they were here in Starkville, he Will Rogers threw, I think, three interceptions in that game, a 49 to nine loss for Mississippi State. So this is what we've been talking about on the podcast all week that in the last five years, you know, since since the 2017 game where state had had an opportunity to beat Alabama since that game. Everybody in the West has either beaten Alabama or at least had a game where they were plus you know, 20 points or so on the scoreboard. State in the last five years has scored 22 points on Alabama total. Uh, they've only scored one touchdown in the last three years, and that was on the last play of the game uh, a season ago uh, in Tuscaloosa. This series has not been competitive at all. Can this game, in, in your opinion, can it be competitive? Can we go into the fourth quarter and say, Bama needs to do something here and put this team away? Well, I thought it was interesting that Nick Saban said that he thought this was potentially a more challenging game than the last two they've faced, which might have been a little bit of a, a trolling shot back at Lane Kiffin after all he did last week. But I thought that was that was interesting. You know, I think this Alabama team is not capable of really blowing out anybody. So I think from that sense, could I see the game tight heading down the stretch? I do. Uh, I do think Alabama will win this game. Uh, I think that they're starting to round into form a little bit. I mean, last week just felt like, such a make or break game for them where either everyone was going to declare the dynasty dead right. or they're entering where they are now. It's like, okay, they might've found their footing a little bit. Um, but I, I've always wondered, and maybe this is a discussion for another podcast, but I wondered in part for what you're saying there was that I feel like Mike Leach in particular gave Mississippi state a floor, but I think he also gave them a ceiling. And I, I just felt like, for what he did, like, I don't feel like Saban was ever that worried about it. I don't know. Like yeah, he would say no, publicly he was, but I feel like he was just like, I can figure this guy out and I'm going to be able to stop it in a way that Mullen could do some other things that I felt like at times gave Alabama problems where they're just going to muck it up and it's going to be close down the stretch. I just never felt like Leach was going to knock off Saban. Yeah, I, I definitely felt that way as well. And, and the results really bared that out for us. John Talty, Bama 24-7, man. Thanks so much for your time. I know I'm not going to see you this weekend, but... I send my love to you there in the in the great state of Alabama. I'm giving you a big. That was John Talty. We'll be back in just a minute here on Thunder and Lightning Live. Mississippi. You called down the thunder. Well, now you got it. Is that a new one? No, it's still Lord of the Blacksmith. I need, to, I need, I gotta, I gotta get that. That's outstanding. I don't remember you playing that last week, though. Uh, of course, I was in a, I was distracted by all the delicious frozen yogurt that was surrounding me last week. So I really, maybe, I might not have been as locked in as I want. Plus, Alex and Houston were there. They were trying to distract me. They, were, they, they didn't realize they were dealing with a professional, but they were trying to get my attention and make me look like a fool 
on the air. But they failed in that regard. I do that perfectly fine by myself. I don't need any help with that uh, with that happening. This is Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. The tunes are courtesy of Rhino, who's doing a fantastic job of spinning them uh, this thus far on the evening. So we talked a lot about what happened last week. What's going to happen this week with Mississippi State taking on Alabama? Boy, I, the, the the South Carolina game getting away just I mean it just makes such a huge difference, right? The State's three and one. Even if they had played poorly and just won the game, I, I don't think people are coming in and saying, "Okay, they got a chance here." But it's just different. It's just you would feel better about where this team is. You would feel like they're well on their way to a a fine season. Instead. They have to play this team that they haven't beaten since 2007. Thankfully, this is the last one of those games, by the way, for for some time. I mean, for, I'm going to assume for at least two years. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned that on this show or not, but I heard I, I was I was told a, a rumor basically that you look at state's schedule for next year, which we've talked about, which is uh, home games with Florida, Arkansas. Uh, Oh, gosh, I can't remember the games. Uh, I know the road games are Georgia, Tennessee, Texas, and Ole Miss. Just flip them. Just flip them, and that'll be your schedule for the the next year. So State will have Texas on the road next year in, in 25. I was told, then it's just a rumor. I couldn't confirm it, but, I'll, I'll, you know, it's it's not like it's it's breaking news. It's not like it's... Uh, going to hurt anybody to, to talk about it, but should expect Texas to be here in Starkville in 2025, and then the, the schedule will flip and they'll bring some new teams on. My guess is the conference at that time will sort of do what it did this year. They, they, they made sure everybody played at least played one of Texas and Oklahoma. My guess is whoever you didn't get in this group, this group next year. So if I'm going to guess, 2026 state at Oklahoma, 2027 Oklahoma comes to start. Call it a guess. But you're not playing Alabama next year. For the first time, I think... I think the number is 54. 1954 was the last time Mississippi State did not play Alabama. Um, and I would I would hazard a guess to say that most of you out there are like, fine, completely cool with not playing Alabama anymore. And I can't I can't disagree with with that. So what's going to happen though this Saturday? Two, one of two things. I swear I'm not going to say win or lose. I, I I'm not going to say that. I promise. Um, Either State's going to play like it's just every other game. They're going to play conservative, some field position here and there. They're going to make, you know, and they're going to get run off the field. Or they're going to really and truly embrace the idea of nothing to lose. And they're going to throw the ball down the field, and there's going to be trying to get the ball into the hands of Tulu Griffin as much as possible, and Xavion Thomas as much as possible, and maybe Creed Whittemore as much as possible. And defensively, they're just going to say, the heck with it. We can't cover, so let's just bring as much pressure as we can, and they're going to blitz seven, eight guys, and they're going to load up the box and tell Alabama, if you beat us over the top, you beat us over the top. That's what South Carolina basically did last week. They just Their game plan was, if Will Rogers can beat us, God bless him. And he almost did. He almost did. Because State had nothing in the running game last week, and all they could do was pass the ball, and Rogers nearly did enough to win the game. I would put the exact same situation to Jalen Milrow this week. I'd be like, you know what, buddy? If you beat us, you beat us. But we're not going to let you, you. We're not going to make it easy. We're not going to let you run. 
We're, we're going to do everything we can to slow that down, and we're going to put as much pressure on you as, as humanly possible. And then you just have to hope that, you know, you, maybe you can break a big play in special teams. Maybe you can get a turnover that gives you the ball deep in Alabama territory at some point, And you just kind of hope for the best there. But the idea of Mississippi State playing field position and playing conservative and running the football and that's how they're going to grind out a win over Alabama, eh. Don't, don't, let's not waste our time thinking about things like that. No, that's not, not going to happen. So... And what gets me is Arnett, by his by his nature, is an aggressive guy. I think if he, you, you, he had his druthers, he could let him do what he wants, yeah, that's how he would coach the game. When you say you have nothing to lose, I mean, what does Mississippi State have to lose? Nobody on the planet thinks they're going to win outside of the guys in that locker room. So play like it. And I'm not saying, you know, go full Kiffin and go for it on 4th and 8 from your own 16. Hell, Leach did that last year. But I am saying, you know, once you get to the 40-yard line, we're done punting. We're going to go for it at that point. And if we we get it, we get it, and if we don't, we don't. You know, 4th and short, we're going to go for it. I am saying that you know, if we, we the thought of we're going to play, you know, since we're going to back off these guys and try not to get beat deep, buddy, you're getting beaten deep no matter what. It's two games in a row, three games really with Delora. He had a he had a great day passing the ball. You're just getting beaten deep. So bring some pressure, man. Put some put put a helmet on Milrow a couple times. I, I mean that that's how this game should be played and coached this weekend. What's funny is, and I always find it kind of interesting, and maybe it's because they know they have such a talent advantage, but I always feel like when Alabama plays Mississippi State, they're the team that plays like they have nothing to lose. And it's, it's just weird. You would think they would be a little, you know, not tight, because they know they're a good team, and they know that most years that they come here, I mean, basically every year when they come here, they're the better football team. And before any Ole Miss fans start getting it, you know, oh, that's right, they are. Yeah, that's same with you guys. They're the better football team 99% of the time. Those two times that Alabama, you beat Alabama, they were still better. They were better than you, and you just beat them that time. Well, can't take that away from you, but it's, that's how it is. I don't think State was better than Alabama in 96 when they beat them either. I had to go back a ways, unfortunately. I do think in 07 when State beat Alabama, they were better than Alabama. Then. So it happens every now and then. But Alabama plays this game, you know, like they get their ones with nothing to lose. And another thing to consider, and let's go back to uh, to Monday's Thunder and Lightning podcast, or I guess uh, Tuesday's, uh, after the press conference where Robbie Falk asked uh, Coach Zach Arnett about Mike Leach's comments from a year ago where he said that, uh, you know, Mike Leach basically said, I feel like the game was lost before we even hit the field because of the jersey and the helmet. And Arnett was very adamant. That's not my message. That's not. I'm not I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And I found that interesting because I want to see if he coaches like that. I want to see if his team reacts like that. Are they going to get out there and play with some confidence? Or are they just going to, you know, get smacked around like they have the last five years? You go back to that 17 game, which is the last time Mississippi State was truly competitive with Alabama. I don't know if, how much of you remember of that, but pregame, you've got Jeff Simmons walking through the Alabama players with that big chain that he carried. State was talking smack. State was physical with Alabama. They ran the ball right at them. They dared them to stop it. 
and they just came up short. And I think at the end of the day, everybody can live with that. You know, look at that, then look at the games you've played in these past few years. 24 nothing, 32-7, 41-nothing, 49-9, 30-6. 22 points in five years. In the last five years, every team in the West, as I said to John, has either beaten Alabama or at least had a game where they put 20-plus on the scoreboard. And then you have Mississippi State, who scored 22 points in five years. So whether or not Zach Arnett wants to say that to his message, that's clearly how it was the last few years. That Alabama just showed up at the stadium, and that was the ball game. They were in state's heads. We talked about this a little bit, too. It's interesting that like a couple decades ago, this was flipped. That was LSU. LSU was the team that just showed up, put on that yellow helmet, and State was like, I'm out. But they would play and fight and hard, fight hard and, and, and compete against Alabama. And then somewhere along the way, it flipped. And State became a team that could compete year in, year out with LSU and can't compete with Alabama. Is it that Nick Saban is the reason for that? Because that's how it was when he was at LSU, and it's how it is now that he's at Alabama. What does Nick Saban have against Mississippi State? My story. I don't know. I would like to see State play full four quarters against Alabama. I would like to go into the fourth quarter looking around saying, boy, if State could just put a drive together here, they could be in this ballgame. I would like to see that, and I'm pretty sure Zach Arnett would as well. Calvin Ridley stepped out of bounds from the text line. I didn't detect a lie in your statement. 100% accurate. Playmakers and prediction, we'll do that when we come back. You can probably guess a couple of them, and you can probably guess the prediction if we're being totally honest. But we'll do that when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning Live. We're here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. I am absolutely and completely thunderstruck. more minutes with you here on a Wednesday evening. This is Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. If you aren't already subscribed to the Thunder and Lightning podcast, what's your problem? Huh? What did I ever do to you? No, please. Please subscribe because if you want Mississippi State information five days a week, I've got it for you. Me and Robbie Falk with the uh, one of the best MSU podcasts out there. Great guests. Great subjects. We've got our weekly mailbag that you can tweet in and get our, get questions answered. It's got everything you want. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe to some other podcasts, like the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. If you're an Ole Miss fan, we have the Rebel Report. If you're a Golden Eagle fan, we have the Eagle Hour. we got it all, and they're all free. Did I mention they don't cost anything? 
And they're all available at supertalk.fm, our website, which is a great one-stop shop for news, opinion, weather, politics. If that's your kind of thing. A lot of people around here, it is their kind of thing. It's not mine. As as you know, if you've ever listened to anything I've ever done. Uh, So supertalk.fm, bookmark that website. It's got everything you're looking for here in the great state of Mississippi. Mississippi State, Alabama, 8 o'clock kickoff, by the way. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I'm an old man. In case you, you weren't aware, I'm uh, I'm uh, that game's going to be over around the time I would normally be zonked out on the couch. Not on a college football Saturday though. I, I, you know, I get a little extra juice for college football, so maybe maybe I can make it to midnight. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And of course, you know, and Richard made the point. He's correct. That game will kick off. It's supposed to kick off at eight. It'll kick off about eight twenty. Last thing in the world you want is to find out Ole Miss and LSU are going into overtime in Oxford. I don't think that'll be the case, but we'll see. Uh, playmakers. It's got to be Tulu, right? You're coming off of a, 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 a record-breaking performance, 256 yards receiving, a new school record for him. State's got to find, continue to find ways to get the ball to him. I like the I like the vertical passing game. I like letting him get down the field and beat guys on those go routes. He's got the speed to do it, but you got to continue to be creative in what you do with Tulu Griffin. You've got to find ways to get him the ball in the running game, short passes, screen passes, and then I, I talk about this. You know, I think he needs to be a little bit more aggressive in the kickoff return game. You know, if the ball's going through the back of the end zone, yeah, okay, I get it. But one yard deep, two yard deep, get it, take it out, take it out. You're against the guy who averages 31, 32 yards per return. I mean, chances are he's going to get past the 25, so do it. Got to be more aggressive. Aggressive is the word this weekend with, with Alabama. So Tulu Griffin will be my offensive playmaker. Let's see what we got here. I'm going to text. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt here. So this person asked me, Joe Inquitman, do I think Ole Miss had a better chance last Saturday than State does this Saturday? And I said yes. Is that, does that mean Ole Miss is a better team than State, or is it a mental thing because it's Bama? I think it's the mental thing. I don't. I'm not going to buy what Arnett's selling on that one just yet. I think State. I think good State teams will get beat up by by Alabama. So yeah, Ole Miss and State to me right now are kind of the same team. State's a little better offensively, believe it or not. Ole Miss is a little better defensively, believe it or not. Uh, Richard said last week. He was quoted as saying that the Egg Bowl was against a very, very average Mississippi State team. That's a very, very average Ole Miss team. So the the Egg Bowl will, if you grew up in the 80s, the Egg Bowl will bring back fond memories this year, I would think. Um, Defensively, I think State's got to be putting pressure on uh, Alabama. The guy who's been the most successful at that on the defensive line this year has been Deontay Anderson, uh, the sophomore out of uh, Fort Meade, Florida. He, he is the guy, I think, I don't know if he's going to start this week. I don't know what DeMonte Russell's situation is, uh, if he's back from injury or not. But I do think that he is a guy who's been pretty successful rushing the passer this year. So rush the passer. Get after it. Because somebody has got to chase Jalen Milrow down a couple times in this game. Crumity and Pickering, you know, I feel like they're going to be kind of busy in the middle of that offensive line. That offensive line for Alabama, as you heard me talk about with John, not a strength for the first time since, what, 1962? When's the last time the the Alabama offensive line wasn't good? Been a long time. So I'm going to go with Deontay Anderson there. And then my X factor, I think I'm going to stay in the secondary. 
uh, a guy like DeCarlos Nicholson, who uh, it seems has sort of eased into that second cornerback spot. Yeah, he got beat pretty bad by Xavier Leggett, but Leggett's a good receiver. He's going to beat a lot of guys this year. So, State's going to have to force a turnover at some point. DeCamry Richardson, for all his NFL hype, has never had a pick. Somebody's got to get a pick this week, and it doesn't need to be linebackers. We'll see. Prediction? Eh. Yeah, I just don't have. I'm not buying into that. 38-14? 38-13? Something like that? Alabama gets the win? Lose this game, stay healthy, reboot next week against Western Michigan, then go into your bye week and get your season back together after that. That's the plan. We'll see if it works out. Back with you guys tomorrow on Sports Talk Mississippi, back on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, back here next Wednesday night. Thanks for joining me here on Thunder and Lightning Live. For Rhino, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.